This is an encore presentation from Veritas Radio. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of the Veritas Show, where we bring you disclosure, one guest at a time. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. Tonight's special guest is someone many of you have read about and enjoyed his books and threads at a number of internet forums. To many of you, you know him by the pseudonym of Sleeper. Lou Bolden, author of In League with a UFO and A Day with an Extraterrestrial. And before we proceed with our interview with Lou Bolden, I have someone who would like to introduce him to you. Ladies and gentlemen, our friend, John Lear. Hello, John. How are you? Hi, Mel. How's it going? You know, a few years ago, I started reading a thread on ATS called Are Extraterrestrials Real? As Real as the Nose on Your Face. When I got to page 20, I instinctively knew that this information was real. And how did I know? Well, to go back 25 years, when I first started looking at this UFO question in 1985, after having read Bud Hopkins' Missing Time, a book by uh, Bud Hopkins uh, that you could not put down because of the evidence he presented, then Whitley Strieber's book Communion came out and added truth to Bud's book. I then fell into a whirlwind of nonstop investigation, and uh, since we didn't have much of an internet in those days, it meant using snail mail and a lot of driving around for interviews. I drove throughout Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, meeting what were then the big names in ufology, Bill Steinman, Bill Hamilton, Paul Benowitz, Tom Adams, Linda Howe, Chris Lambright, Colonel Ernie Edwards, Clifford Stone, and a curious fellow named Jim Spicer, who ran a forum called Paranet and who tried to get me to go into a UFO hoax with him. I refused, but through Paranet I met Bill Cooper. And there were many others that I met and listened to, and I can safely say there weren't many UFO stories I hadn't heard. Then came the channelers like the H-Star Command and Jay-Z Knight and Ramtha. Piles and piles of information accumulated until I had one four-drawer legal-sized file cabinet completely full and filed with information. Then Bob Lazar came along and gave me a huge information dump. I thought that would be the end of any real secret information I would ever get. However, as I got to about page 20 on our extraterrestrials real thread, read both of Lou's books, A Day with an Extraterrestrial and In League with a UFO, 
and then the follow-on thread on ATS, then Lou's own forum, extraterrestrial speak, I knew that this information was real. Now, there are about 6.5 billion people on this planet who will never read or have this information and will stumble around, most of who don't even care what's going on, other than that they have to feed themselves and their family. For the few that do care about what's going on, they will, uh, most will read Lou's stuff and, and uh, <clears throat> dismiss it as baloney. But the minuscule amount of people I am guessing less than a thousand know instinctively that what Lou says is the truth. And one of those thousand, I think, uh, uh, as one of those thousand, I think the information is exciting, mind-expanding, stimulating, and absolutely, without a doubt, true. Secretly, I think Lou brought this information just for me, because of those thousand people I mentioned, many don't understand the true nature of Lou's information and its implication that uh, is live your life with integrity and without envy, hate, or greed. And the reason I say not many understand the true nature uh, and implication is because I see so many questions to Lou that always start out, well, what about or what if I, or well, does that mean? They're always trying to find a way around, but there are no if, ands, or buts. Live your life with integrity and without envy, hate, or greed. Now, Lou didn't answer every question and many times was evasive, but this is because he knows the limit of what we should be told. Lou once said, and I quote, all humans have the capacity to know inside their soul the first step to unlocking the information is believing that's possible. The only danger is that if you become too enlightened while on Earth, you can also become an outcast because you still have to live around people that are not, and people are uncomfortable around people that are different. Your true life is here also. What you do on this plane of existence is part of what you are, knowing that real truth is not essential, but it helps. But one of the best quotes I like uh, that Lou said was, we are each unique individuals with souls forged in celestial furnaces by God. Outstanding. And now, to put the rumor to rest, uh, John, you're not sleeper, are you? No. <laughs> sleeper. <laughs> Sleeper secretly lives in Kansas City, and I live in Las Vegas. That's right. And folks, just to let you know, I was referred to uh, to Sleeper one night when I heard John Lear talk about him on Coast to Coast AM, and ever since I could not stop. So the opportunity to to uh, interview Lou for the first time, to be on radio discussing his two books, to me it's a privilege and an honor. And to have John Lear do the introduction, well, that's the cherry on the cake. John Lear, thank you so much. Okay, thanks, Mel. Take care. Bye-bye. Hello, Lou, and welcome to the Veritas Show. How are you? I'm doing good, Mel. Thank you. It's my pleasure having you on. First of all, I want to thank you for accepting our invitation. Is is this your first uh, time on radio, Lou? Uh, Fifteen years ago, I was on a radio show. We're very privileged to talk to people for the first time after a few years of being away. In the past few years... You have been active, Lou, and sharing information and answering questions at a number of internet forums. However, people have never heard of your story 
from your own voice, I believe. As a matter of fact, some people out there still believe you might be John Lear. What do you say to those? Uh, John Lear? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, obviously I've got my picture on my book. Right. And some other places, so I don't think we look completely alike. And the voices are very different, are very different too. In any event, I'm very happy that you accepted my invitation. I hope to discuss as much as we possibly can tonight. As we usually do first, Lou, on, with first-time guests and, and to put things in perspective, give us a background, your time as a child in Italy, your time in the U.S. military, and what experiences shaped you into who you are today and why you're here on the show. Uh, well, as a child in Italy, um, it was a few years after the Second World War, and um, Italy was still a little shell-shocked. Uh, but uh, I, I, I don't know, I felt fairly normal. Uh, I do remember coming to this planet, uh, being put into, uh, into the family that I grew up with, uh, I know that that's a little tough to talk about and, and for people to even believe. Um, yeah, for the layman, the layman out there listening to this, trying to explain this might be a little bit difficult. So why don't you explain what you're referring to in terms of you came here? Well, um, I remember seeing the planet uh, and then being brought into the planet. I've also, during the time that I was growing up, experienced these beings that uh, originally brought me here. They would take me from my room, and uh, we would uh, just go places. Okay. And in other words, let me see if I understand correctly. You were placed here to your let's call her a biological mother. So you were not conceived on earth where you were born. Let's, well, I don't even know if I should use the word born because that, that implies other things. No, I, I was born. You um, were born here. My, my mother was, you know, abducted and the fetus was exchanged. And In other words, was, was it her ova mixed with alien are you a hybrid, is basically what I'm trying to say, or are you a full alien? No, I think I'm a full human. Okay. And why is it that you look human? Because I am a human. And the reason why I say this, bear in mind, I, I'm, I'm speaking from the perspective of conventional wisdom, from somebody who does not have or is privileged enough to have the exposure that you've had through the years. So there are aliens that look just like us, is what you're saying. Well, technically, you know, we're kind of all aliens because none of us, at least soul-wise, is from this planet. Uh, we come from other places. We are inserted into a fetus, and we start paying taxes at a certain stage in life. Mm -hmm. And when you're saying paying taxes, basically paying dues and... The souls come here. And this interview is going to be, I'm going to be all over the place. I have plenty of questions from people who have read your threads and, and your books. Let me just, again, put things in perspective. I'm going to read a portion of, of your thread that's out there. Quote, once upon a time, I was in the United States Army. 
and I not only saw alien spaceships, but I was in one. Inside the ships is real-life Alice in Wonderland stuff. Distinguishing what is real or imaginary is impossible. It's another dimension like the Twilight Zone. Perhaps everything is real, but while inside the ship, the atmosphere is like a drug-induced experience and difficult to differentiate between reality and imaginary. The minute you step out of the craft, the mind goes back to normal. Unquote. So, again, to put the skepticism to rest, how are you certain this was not a dream, perhaps drug-induced mind control, or anything else the military may have tested on you? Well... The military certainly does a lot of that, and I was aware of it. But the thing is, I was in these situations for years way before I went into the military. So it wasn't like I went into the military, they started experimenting on me and and making me hallucinate with, with these alien beings and what have you. Right. It, when I was in the military, it was not like a big shock. You know, I, I, I was kind of still accustomed to what was going on in my background. I was not aware of everything because they, you know, to, to keep you where they keep you, you can't be running around talking about stuff like this. So when you say they who who blocked your memory the military or the aliens no the 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 people who brought me here the okay so-called aliens yeah uh, the military basically i was kind of a curiosity they they didn't know if i was a human or an alien they didn't really mess with me they just kind of watched me to see if i was going to reveal certain things about the ship. Curiously, I I was kind of curious about them, too. I mean, they had access to the ship. They were in the ship, but they knew very little about this particular ship. I don't know how many ships they were familiar with. I'm not even sure why I was in there with them, but there were times that uh, we were in there together. We didn't communicate they did their thing, and and I did mine. Almost like business. Don't talk, just do your job. Basically, yeah. So let me ask you, when you joined the military, did you disclose to them this? Did they find out, or did they trace this back to your early childhood? And the reason why I say this, I've had people on like Sergeant Clifford Stone, who had the military observing him from an early point in life where they suspected that he would be telepathic and eventually was exposed to alien technology, crash retrievals, etc. In your case, how did that happen? How did that transcend with the military observing you before you they joined? They knew about me way before I was in the military. I'm probably, I'm sure they even knew from day one that I came on this planet. So when you joined the military... I would presume that not that you received different treatment as any other private would when they joined, but tell us about the transition from from private life to, to military life and, and what happened the first, well, you were there for three years, am I right? All right. Okay. Tell us about your experience with the military. Well, you know, my military career was as normal as, as the next guy. I mean, I had military, you know, went through basic training 
then I went through other types of training. I um, I trained uh, as an electronic specialist. I trained uh, in. Uh, I was with an army unit. I was the tank driver. I was in uh, medical supplies. Why they put me in so many different? Of course, that was not necessarily unusual. Many military people get training in many different fields. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the question again? No, just uh, I wanted to see what uh, your experience in the military was to see if there was anything non-traditional or just the exposure that you received. No, everything uh, pretty much normal, except that uh, every now and then I uh, got to uh, see a little bit of the paranormal side of uh, what the military's got. That's That was my question. Tell us about that. Well, that's, um, I don't know how much of it I've talked about. I mean, you obviously knew a little bit about it. A lot of it was when I was overseas, stationed in Okinawa. Okay. Um, Okinawa basically is a few a few hours away by flight, depending on what type of craft you're on, to Vietnam. And back in those days, uh, they, they were trying to reduce the... Uh, the American president presence in Vietnam, and of course they reduced the troop numbers theoretically, but they had a whole bunch of us still in Okinawa, and from there we did a few things that I still can't go into at all. And this is, of course, in the early 70s, am I right? Yeah, right. Okay, so of course in the middle, uh, during the Vietnam conflict. Uh, correct. Okay. And is there anything that you can share with us that's not uh, classified of the things that you were exposed to? Well, it's all classified. Uh, uh, the the technology, the, the 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 equipment that the United States Army had, and uh, some of the stuff that also uh, the the Viet Cong had. Um, the. the um, yeah, I can't did, talk about it. Did, did you say the Viet Cong also had access to this technology? Did, yes, they had certain access to certain types of technology. You know, for the longest time, I've had people telling me that, of course, the war was supposed to be waged, not won. And that's why it took so long. And it dragged on and on and on. Well, but, communism had nothing to do with it. Right, exactly. I'm sure that... <laughs> John Lear and you have spoken about this a lot, but I'm going to spend an hour talking about the conflict. But I've had many people that were soldiers and, and, and not high-ranking, perhaps, telling me of the things they saw. And one may think, well, you have to remember there was a, a lot of drugs involved in that, uh, in that conflict, and perhaps they were hallucinating. Uh, what do you say to them? That, that that was basically the cover-up. I mean, <laughs> drugs were were almost standard issue. I mean, yes. it, it wasn't like we couldn't have drugs. And, of course, I didn't. I stayed away from it. But, it, my God, everyone had the drugs. And, and a lot of it, basically, was probably to uh, dull the mind and uh, eliminate some of the stuff that some of these people were seeing. It was a very bizarre and crazy war. Of course, they're all that way. Mm-hmm. 
and um, and 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 of course the uh, the civilian population only hears whatever sounds practical. You know, we're over there, we're fighting for democracy, we're doing this and we're doing that. But you know, a lot of that stuff is is, is absurd. You know, democracy in a third world country. Give me a break. There's, yes. there's a lot more going on, and same thing uh, with uh, what's going on in the Middle East. Correct. It seems almost as if we have to always be in a conflict in order to keep the economy going. We always no, have no, to have... No, no, no. It's it's really not for the economy. It's uh, it's for stuff that's going on on this planet. Uh, and a lot of this stuff uh, is extraterrestrial. You know, how how crazy that sounds to most people. You know, extraterrestrials, extraterrestrials down here messing with mankind. Well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry if obviously they can't come out and say that because that would really freak people out. It's a lot easier to say, hey, we're fighting a few commies over here. You know, we can handle that. Now, I've heard that, yes, also, uh, and I was... I was just stating, once again, the conventional wisdom of what people think. We have to be in war because the contractors have to make make a profit for their shareholders, and that's what no, keeps the economy that's going. That's, that's, I totally that's all BS. I've seen why we're over there, and it's got nothing to do with that. Okay. Um, Can you tell us why we're over there now? Let's forget about Vietnam. I move now to 2001. 2001, September the 11th, they propelled us to go to Iraq, Afghanistan, and the Middle East. What's the real reason, then, in your opinion? The real reason is extraterrestrial. It's got nothing to do with oil. It's got nothing to do with a bunch of fat, rich people needing this oil from over there. If we want the damn oil, we'll go over there and take it. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a lot more complicated, and it's definitely stuff that cannot be let out. I've had a few guests that have let out Uh, let's say, ancient technology. Uh, even I had somebody a couple of days ago who, who wants to be in the show to talk about giants in Afghanistan and supposedly one giant that was killed some time ago and the military w was transporting them somewhere else and the helicopter pilot was talking about that, that he saw underneath the helicopter something huge under a tarp that was supposedly a giant. Things that people may think is just science fiction. Am I a bit close? Uh, well, you know, they have machinery, and uh, some of the machinery looks perhaps like a giant. I, You know, I don't particularly know anything about a giant being over there. But, uh, you know, th there's a lot of illusions that uh, most of us live in, you know, in our everyday life. You know, we 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 believe in religious deities, and we believe the government is got everything under control yeah, they have a little bit but not that much mm -hmm. um, but to talk about some of the technology that uh, does come into this planet a lot of it illegally uh, is stuff for science fiction books You know, and science fiction writers can get away with writing their stuff, but uh, if you come out and try to put this out and say, hey, this is what's going on, you know, people are going to laugh at you. They're going to, you know, there goes another UFO nut or a yes. metaphysical nut or a whatever.
Well, that's part of the intelligence apparatus strategy to ridicule the giggle factor in the news. And anybody that comes out with this information that sounds far-fetched is immediately labeled a nut. Have you ever been labeled a nut, Lou? Oh, I'm sure uh, on a daily basis. <laughs> When I was at ATS, uh, yes, everyone thought I was a nut. Of course, a lot of the people were just trying to, um, you know, distract the information that I was putting out there. Sure. Uh, military people, yes. Uh, uh, scientists, uh, of course, and government people, naturally. I mean, they have to come out there and counteract people like me. I mean, yeah, they can take me out. Well, I don't think they can, but they can take some people out and shoot them and get rid of them. But some people, they just can't do that with at least as long as they don't have a lot of credibility. Yeah. You know, when I use the word when I use the word alien, I know that to people like you this may sound maybe a derogatory term, but I use that because that's the term that conventional wisdom tells me to use. Is there a more appropriate term to use for the visitors? Um uh, There are many different types of visitors, and some of them are not nice visitors, and uh, then there's some that are okay. Uh, alien, to me, is not derogatory. Um, you know, alien just means something people are not used to or something from that comes into an area that's not indigenous. Uh, so alien is actually appropriate. And okay. There are uh, quite a few aliens on this planet, and uh, they come and go, and uh, some of them sneak in, and some of them try to sneak out. Now, let's go back to the Middle Eastern conflict, and obviously what you're saying is that we're not in Afghanistan to get the poppy seed fields for the heroin. We're not there to... Who cares about <laughs> stupid poppy seeds? Well, that's what I we mean, been... We're basically destroying their livelihood over there by destroying the poppy seed. Obviously, you know, we do want to stop the drug flow and blah, 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 blah. But uh, you want to stop drugs, legalize them. Exactly. The drug war is the most effective war ever fought. Because Most ineffective war. Well, I tend to disagree, and I'll war? tell you. Yes, I'll tell you why. Allow me one second to say it. Because the powers that be, perhaps the CIA, they control the competition and they keep a monopoly, keeping prices up. That's why I say the most effective uh, war, because they keep it. They keep the competition and the profits. So I'm being facetious here. Okay. Well. Uh, the American people have been bamboozled about this drug stuff. Um, everyone's so scared of it, yet anyone who wants drugs in the U.S. and in most places in the world can get it. People right. are driving everywhere on this planet drugged up. So what's the point of having uh, drug laws? I mean, it's not keeping the drugs off, out of people. They're, you know, If you want it, you'll get it. It's just like in the military. Uh, some of the best drugs coming into uh, our camp was uh, was was came in through the MPs. I mean, if you wanted the best stuff, you went to them. If you wanted to take a chance, you went somewhere else. 
You know, I'm, I'm not bad-mouthing the U.S. Army. I, I, I support the Army 100%, but that was the way it was when I was in it. Right. And let me get this multi-pronged question out of the way. Who are we? Where do we come from? Where are we going? And what is our purpose here, Lou? Are you saying we humans? Yes. <clears throat> well, you know, I've been talking about basically that on all my blogs. Uh, we are uh, all souls. We all have a soul. Um, we all come from other planets, other star systems. Uh, we come here uh, for a reason. There's no, uh, there's no accidents. There's no coincidence. There's no Darwinism. It's, it's everything's on purpose. Um, and I've talked about uh, Earth being a prison planet. I'm not a Scientologist. I know that they say the same thing, and they're correct on that part anyway. When you were saying prison planet, I was writing on my notes the words prison planet before you said them, because I wanted to talk about that. But go ahead, please. Okay. Well, uh, why are we here? We are here to prove to number one ourselves what we are made of that's it simple as that um, once we die we get a little life review and it points out all our weaknesses and all the crap that we've tried to feed everybody else and it's rubbed in our nose you know we you can't deny it when it's all on film every second of our life is filmed Every thought we have, every everything we do to us, to others, is recorded. It's, you know, it's not like our court system where we go in there and they have to try and prove that we... There's no proving. It's all right there in front of you. So what's the yeah. recording mechanism? Is it the soul that records every second? The soul records every second. And there are backup systems when we are born and it, i'm talking about us humans not you when we are born we are born with the soul explain how the soul gets into the fetus before it's born and explain how it vacates the container or the body and where does it go after that Okay, when the soul is uh, born, basically when, when you're sent down here to prison planet number one billion, three thousand, whatever, mm -hmm. uh, the first thing that happens is they create a body specifically for you. You don't end up in some chance body. The body, everything about that body was created for that soul that's going to enter that body. Some souls will be placed into the body before the body is born. And some are placed into the body after the baby is born, sometimes several weeks after. Some... Why the gap? Why like, the gap? It, it depends on why you came here and how much... Some people have a few more privileges than others. Uh, like when I first came here, I was placed into the body that I'm in right now uh, a couple of weeks after the body was born. 
but I didn't even stay in it. I, I left the baby body several times because, you know, I had better things to do than sit there and burp and poop and whatever babies do all day long. <laughs> and I was allowed to do that. Uh, most people are not. I don't know how many people are, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Now, explain that. Explain how you were able to leave your body, and I'm, I presume as a light being, or, 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 or explain that. Yes, uh, and I, I wasn't able to leave. Uh, I had a companion, and, and the companion would take me out of the body, and you know, we would go out and do other things, and then I would be put back into the body. You know, I, I had a lot of freedom in my early years, and of course, then they had to reduce that, and they reduced it quite a bit for uh, my adolescence and. And uh, the older I got, uh, I started uh, getting more frequent contact with this other being. Once we are placed in a body, we cannot remove ourselves from the body. Until you it's, die. Uh, it, it requires another being who removes you and lets you fly around, do whatever, and then they put you back in. Um, we have absolutely no freedom on this planet. Uh, they, as far as being inside a body or, or or going somewhere else, I can like people talk about when they do OBEs or whatever. Are there some who do not have a soul? Uh, yes, there are. And if so, why? And are there some who have a new soul? And some people say, well, you looked at them and they seem like a soulless person. Uh, well, uh, the, the people who don't have souls, you know, they're, they're in a category of that's not even human. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm not even sure what I would call these uh, containers but uh, most people never encounter them our clones and i'm pretty sure that the clones military is is very common clones do they have a soul yes yes if uh, someone should clone you you wouldn't be going into the clone you, someone else would go into it they would just look exactly like you and might even think a little bit like you but somebody else it's another It'd soul that gets into somebody else exactly you can't have you can't occupy more than one body. How about hybrids? Do they have a soul? Hybrids do have a soul, and uh, in some cases or most cases, they have a higher or more advanced soul than the normal. However, I've uh, interacted with a a couple of alleged hybrids, and it seems that their stay on Earth is not too pleasant. Why would they be sent here as a hybrid? Uh, well, maybe uh, they weren't sent here. They they were they were incarcerated here, like everybody else. A lot of hybrids are are it, it's a it's a whole big area here, and 
uh, one day I was going to sit down and try to explain some of it. But uh, there are many types of hybrids, like you know, we have many nationalities. You know, in essence, we are kind of hybrids from each other. You've got the Caucasian, you've got the black, you've got the Oriental, you've got all these versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, hybrids uh, have a special function. Um, some of them know they are hybrids, not all know. Now, you mentioned the different races, the blacks, the Caucasians, the Asians, etc. Uh, how did that happen? How did that happen on Earth, that different people look different? Well, it didn't happen on Earth. It uh, happened elsewhere. Um, it's, you know, you, you have minimum security, you've got high security, you've got a lot of different races, a lot of a lot of uh politically incorrect stuff that if I ain't careful I will get into. Uh we're not all equal, you know. Everyone likes to throw this equality crap around. No, no, it's it's just not the way it really is in this big universe. Um we all have opportunity to move up but we create that movement ourselves. Um, We also come from different parts of the galaxy, and that, too, uh, has something to do with the particular DNA we are placed into. Have you ever, well, in your case, you have a human body, am I correct? Yes. So your DNA is fully human. Uh, yes. If you take a hybrid and do a DNA test, perform a DNA test, could you find a difference between human DNA and the hybrid's DNA? Uh, well, let's put it this way. DNA is not a human thing. It's not an earthly phenomenon. It's it's just a it's just a means and and a code for the body that you're stuck into a hybrid and there are many different types of hybrids are not all going to have the same type of dna and sure. whether if they contain a dna that's really bizarre they're not going to be allowed to be found out i mean we have there's there's uh, aliens <laughs> behind the scenes everywhere, and they they allow things to happen or they keep things from happening. Uh, you know, they it's not like we're gonna take someone who claims to be a hybrid. And one thing, if you're a hybrid, you're really not gonna go out there telling everybody, or at least and, you shouldn't be. And if you do, you're gonna be ridiculed and probably labeled. Mentally retarded or schizophrenic. Exactly. And if they take you in and take your blood and find out what your DNA is, and they'll find out, oh, yeah, you're just as normal as the other guy, except in your head. Right. Um, yeah. There are bizarre DNA patterns out there, but they're not going to be allowed to be examined. And why is that? 
I think I have my suspicions, but what, what, why is your reasoning behind that thought? Well, because, we, because the illusion of this planet has to be maintained. Mm-hmm. I mean, people still, you know, a lot of people say, oh, come on, let's have uh, disclosure. Everybody can handle it. What's the big deal? It is a big deal. People really do need to feel normal. And in 3D land, uh, where we exist right here, to feel normal, you have to have the religious institutions that were created for us, the, the political institutions, the, the economic institutions, everything that we grew up in has to remain in place. If someone, if the vast majority should know that this is all illusion, all you know, a bunch of props like in Hollywood, it, uh, it would completely throw the whole system off. There's a lot of people, aliens, who uh, are busy keeping the illusion alive and... You know, if they didn't want me to be speaking on this radio show here, they could easily stop it. But they know that a you know a small fraction of people are going to believe me. They know that I'm not a threat. I'm not going to upset the apple cart. In other words, as a future guest we're going to have says, the powers that be don't do anything to him because people hear him. But the moment people start listening to him, or as you said, when the majority listens, that's when you're going to get your pink slip. And we're going to talk about the pink slip in a moment. But first, let me talk about Milton for one second. And, and let me say this, and then after I say this, you'll explain who Milton is or was. According to Milton, disclosure will not happen in the way we believe disclosure might happen. Quote, all of the usual stuff, the premature collapse of religious institutions, the loss of faith in the government's ability to protect people, and a meltdown in the financial markets throughout the world. Nations would destabilize and anarchy would ensue. It could get messy, and then we would have to clean up the mess, unquote. I say this, Lou, in almost every show. In addition to what Milton said, why would anyone listen to, let's call it, the establishment? which encompasses everything when a more advanced and evolved civilization comes in contact with us. Who would listen to the establishment when we can listen to, to the, uh, the visitors or the aliens? Everybody. Uh, you know, we, uh, we people in, in this paranormal stuff here are a very small fraction of the population. Most everyone else wants the establishment and they also listen to the establishment. Yes, they moan and groan, but in, at the end of the day, they want the establishment there. They want to be part of the Matrix still. Exactly. You know, at the Matrix, you can eat steak, uh, which is made out of cow. And, you know, I love steak. But uh, in my world... You can eat steak, and you know it's not cow. Now explain that. Well, you know, most of us see these you know, animals. You know, uh, we slaughter animals so that we could feed on their their meat. Well, 
that's an illusion. Um, animals were created as food, period. I mean, yes, they have other things. Uh, you know, they they're part of the ecology. They're they're part of the world we understand, the the bloodthirsty world that we assume that we exist in. Um, that does not that is not real. At least I know it's not real. But for some reason, most people need that so that they could have their feet firmly on the ground. As bizarre as it may sound, they need to know that they're killing cows, they're killing animals. It, 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 it's, it's, it's a bizarre existence. Uh, flesh, eating flesh, uh, survival of the fittest, all that malarkey. Um, but when you said, I eat steak, but it's not the same steak, what did you mean by that? Well, because I know what it is. I understand what a cow is. A cow is not... Uh, it, it's a living animal only because that's how we keep... Or that's that's how... what you know, we Animals are created. They're living so that they remain fresh until... We need to eat them. Most of us see the butchering side, the blood, the, the, the pain, the agony. We assume that these poor animals encounter. That's why they've got people in PETA out there yes. trying to protect the animals. But I know that uh, they're just machines created as a food source, a fresh food source for us to consume while we inhabit the containers that we inhabit. Okay, so what you're saying is, with your alien perspective, you're saying that it's okay to uh, eat meat and it's okay to slaughter cows so that we can remain exactly. in the prison planet? Okay. Exactly, and of course a lot of people are going to hate me for, for uh, saying something like that. Now, this may sound humorous to some, but I've heard that aliens do not abduct people who eat meat. Is that true? Uh, that's, uh, that's BS? <laughs> that's BS. Okay. Um, now, Milton. Let's talk about Milton for a, a moment. And I want to understand something. I've read your, both of your books, and I thoroughly enjoyed both, In League with a UFO and A Day with an Extraterrestrial. Now, Milton, a lot of people asking me for you to talk about Milton. And first of all, were you Michael... In the book. Yes. Okay. Just wanted to make sure that you were not talking, uh, referring to a third person. So let's talk about Milton. Please explain. Well, Milton is uh, basically my, uh, my contact. Uh, not that I search Milton out and say, hey, uh, Milton, can you uh, give me some info here? He intrudes in my life uh, when he sees fit. Now, you use the present tense there. Does that mean that your contact with Milton continues? As long as he wishes it to continue. But as of now, he's still in contact with you? Uh, hasn't been in lately, but uh, he's still, I'm sure if uh, he uh, needs to be, he would be. Okay. So this is nothing that stopped uh, before you wrote the book? No. No. Okay. 
just to give the audience a chance to kind of preamble of, of the book, just give us that quick moment when you were jogging or walking and, and all of a sudden he calls you Michael Vitorino, etc. Take it from there. Well, uh, you know, the, the book, uh, I, I wrote the book basically to, to frame in uh, how, how I fit into this uh, little scenario. Um, I've always been aware of uh, Milton and others like Milton, but they have kept me in the dark on a lot of uh, a lot of situations until they deemed it was time for me to know a little bit more. Um, the book basically shows that even though I've had I've I've written that one book many years before. I was still not completely in this particular program, or at least I was not uh, opened up completely to it, and I'm still not. I mean, they they still have a lot of stuff that uh, they every now and then will open up to me. A lot of it I haven't written about. I just touched on some of it in, in the book, A Day with an Extraterrestrial. Um, but... I am in a human body, and I, and I experience everything that humans experience for a purpose, for a reason, because I, you know, I was placed here as a human, and I've had to spend all my life as a human. And uh, when they intrude on me, it still blows me away. You know, when he makes his encounters... I'm in a 3D brain, and I'm dealing with higher dimensions that intrude, and that is very difficult. That's why most people who have uh, experienced abductions, uh, they totally freak out. They completely misunderstand what happened to them. They come up with all this alien uh, anal probing and... And you know, you've read some of the stories. Sure. Uh, th- those are just interpretations, misinterpretations, paranoia, uh, implants. You know, they will they will stick stuff into your mind to make you think things that uh, that are not necessarily true. Um, and also, it depends on who. It is that's dealing with you. I mean, we do have humans, military, government that do some of these abductions, and uh, them being human, you know, they they sometimes don't do them correctly, and uh, they may also have ulterior motives. But that's a whole other story. Anyway. You know, some people have asked me, well, you know, you've, you talk about you've you've known aliens all the time. Why did you freak out when Milton showed up? Well, right. Because yeah. anytime you interact with a higher dimension, it's just freaky, mind boggling until he brings me up to his dimension, whatever that might be. Now, recollection. 
obviously, if you were able, if you're able to tell me now that as a baby you were able to, let me use the word, vacate the container or the body and do other stuff, jobs, duties, whatever you want to call them. It's because you have recollection. Do you also have recollection of your past, uh, can we call them lives? Uh, well, I did mention that in my last book, that uh, they allowed me a sliver of recollection. Uh, on top of that, I do have other recollections. Um, uh, one that I was here a couple of thousand years ago, part of the uh, the Roman uh, Empire as just a foot soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, there was other times, uh, uh, more recent, uh, just fragments and... Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I could probably ask them to open them up for me, but I haven't. Now, earlier during our conversation, you mentioned religious institution were created for us. Can you please explain? Well, you know, basically, you know, we've got uh, Judaism, uh, Christianity, Islam, uh a lot of uh, institutions, all institutions, basically were created for for the populations to create order, to to give some, to give the people uh, some kind of direction, give them some kind of hope, to unite them, to to raise an army, to to conquer, to to do whatever the originators had planned to do. And then, of course, it's carried on. We have what we know as history. We have historical documents of, of, of certain societies. We have religious documents. We've had crusades. Uh, Inquisition. Inquisitions. That gives us a state of illusion. A, a, it's, it's, we don't see it as an illusion. We see it as history. I mean, you have to have something to base what we base things on. So institutions were created. I mean, we by, have... By who? By who? Uh, not by uh, humans. Right. That's, that's, why, that's where I'm coming from. So the aliens created that for us but you know if you look as an earthling if you look at all the religions every religion member let's say a member from x religion thinks that they're more enlightened than a member of another religion or sect isn't that a way to continue dividing us it's a way to let us be what we want to be uh you know let's take hitler for instance uh, you've got a madman right here and you know he's spewing all this stuff you know about uh, the area and superiority uh, angle and uh, the anti-Jew angle and now why would someone have this 
Well, it's to see how many people you can round up and get them to hate, get them to fear, get them to get out what it is inside them that's burning to come out. So Hitler basically facilitated the hate, the fear, the anger that was inside all the souls that that uh, accumulated around him and, be, and and became part of his plan. Do you see where I'm going? Oh, absolutely. And I recently have had on Robert Morningstar, and we discussed this, how Hitler used the Tibetan teachings. The Tibetan monks used life and enlightenment, but Hitler used death and transmutation as their goal, as a sacrifice in order for them to upgrade, if you will, to a super race. Okay. So is Hitler the evil or is it the person Hitler convinced to get out there and become evil with him? The evil. Where is the evil? Well, I think that's... If I can talk you into killing your neighbor, uh, am I the evil person or are you the evil person who went out and killed your neighbor? Well, that's subjective. I mean, you get a yeah. lot of the religious extremists who kill because they are brainwashed into doing yeah. it. Well, and and they are brainwashed into doing it. No one's brainwashed. They do it willingly. Everyone who worked for Hitler, yes, they had fear. Eventually, they they were trapped, and they had to fear Hitler. But at the beginning, they were, were all willingly willing to go out and drag people out of their houses and slaughter them. They played their own hand. They were evil. There, there was evil inside these people. All Hitler did was expose it. All Stalin did was expose the evil uh, that he, and the, and the people that he supposedly led to become evil. Mm-hmm. For those who think that Stalin was evil, obviously not everyone does. But now you speaking of Hitler. And again, with your alien perspective, is it true that there was alien technology being used by the Nazis? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Hitler had quite a bit of alien technology. Um, I mean, they came very close to being the world power. It was just a fluke that they didn't. It was because there were other powers just a tad more determined to keep that from happening. But all Hitler did was unleash hate, not his own hate. Now, I'm not defending Hitler in any way. Don't. Uh, he unleashed the, the hate that, that was inside the souls of all those who followed him and, and did the deed. We can be led to water, but we can't be made to drink it. Right. So how did he come in contact with that technology? And why did the, obviously, and again, using my conventional wisdom, why would an alien race be in touch with somebody who embodied what we considered to be evil and any, anything negative? He was primed from the beginning. His, he was Hitler before he was born. That was his mission. And what happened? If he was almost programmed to... Oh, rule the world. We have we have other forces. There are battles going on every day, uh, not just on planet Earth, mm-hmm. uh, all over the place. 
there there is disagreement on how things are done. Certainly, there are higher beings that are beyond reproach, but uh, at the levels that we are as humans, and even a couple levels up higher, uh, games continue to be played, and um, and people, uh, what, who wins is, is basically how much evil versus how much not so evil you know there was there was a lot more people on earth when uh, in, during the second world war that were leaning away from evil and actually fighting it and that's why it, hitler didn't get his third right so a duality system is what you're saying Positive and a negative. Oh, what I'm saying is, uh, you know, it, it just depends exactly. You know, how much, if if there would have been more evil, uh, then the evil would have uh, overcome. Speaking of the Nazis, and just to, to end the Nazi discussion, but they say the Nazis lost the war but won the peace. They continued. And we've seen some of the parallels, even in our own, our own government, after September the 11th with the Patriot Act. And uh, if you're not with us, you're with the terrorists. At that time, if you're not with us, you were the communists. Did the aliens have anything to do with the continuation of what Hitler and Nazism started? Uh, we still have people here from two or 3,000 years ago that, uh, that are still hiding out. It's an ongoing war, and... Uh, some of the excuses uh, to keep these wars going, uh, for some people, of course, they make absolutely no sense. You know, fighting communism. You know, and hey, I'm not for communism at all. But uh, they use patterns, ideologies that we understand, that the, the people understand, that mm-hmm. people are accustomed to. They cannot use, they cannot talk like I talk, like you talk, like people who are talking crazy alien stuff. They, they, one thing, a lot of them don't even know about it. They're, they're firmly in uh, the uh, illusion of this planet. Speaking of the planet, in your opinion, who rules the planet? Well, um, it's kind of like a football game, you know. You've, if you've got all these people on rooting for this game or or, or team, or, and all these other people rooting for the other one, uh, it it doesn't boil down to right and wrong, good and evil. It breaks down to where most people are focused, and that's where the rule is. There really is no, there's no one sitting up there calling all the shots. I guess what uh, I'm trying to say is who, who's the, what is the unseen hand? Is it terrestrial or is it not? It's not terrestrial. Never has been. Is it a specific race or races? No. Can you be specific? No. We hear reptoids. We hear reptilians, we hear bloodlines, we hear kings and queens that for centuries 
they keep the kingdom going because they actually come from the reptilian race. To some, it may sound absurd, those fans of David Icke, for example, but to some, it may make sense. What's your opinion on that? Well, the reptilians um, have been here forever. They are the oldest ones involved in this game. Um, of course, there's a lot of negative connotation with reptilian. Snakes, slimy, and all that good stuff. Yes. But uh, I don't know. I've met some reptilians, and they seem angelic to me. So uh, apparently there are many flavors of uh, reptilian and also other beings. So they're good and bad everywhere, is what you're saying. Uh, yeah. All right. As I just did throughout the show, I may read some excerpts again, folks, from Lou's book. In this example, A Day with an Extraterrestrial. And this expert excerpt reminds me of my conversation with Jim Sparks. Quote, She is not human, Michael. She's a biological sperm extractor. There are many ways to get sperm from donors such as you, but this is the most effective way and the best way to retrieve semen. Extracting sperm without proper sexual arousal compromises the quality of the seed, and I know you don't want that. Unquote. Tell us more about this. Well, uh, you know, a lot of people equate sexuality with perversion, but uh, sexuality is a is a mechanism. It's it's a gift from the higher beings, and and. Um, and sexuality and, and of course when we're talking um, creating a child is 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 very it's it's a complex thing and our moods you know like if you have a child through rape where there's there's terror there's anger you you, you produce a certain type of offspring if you have a child that's you know, just pure love from from both partners. You you're going to produce um, a different type of offspring. Um, sexuality is a very high dimension that uh, we enter into when we enter into sex. Um, it's gotten a big bum rap down here, but. Sex, uh, sexuality uh, is, uh, is uh, of a higher order when not misused. If we have to distill our activities on this planet, it would be to repeat pleasure and to avoid pain, right? Uh, yeah, well, it's mostly for pleasure. Right. So if that's the case, how do aliens reproduce? Well, it depends on uh, if they're in physical form or if... Uh, you know, aliens uh, is a is a broad term. We're talking, you know, bazillions of different types of species, um, and, of, and and of course the physical. We have a lot of levels of physicality, and of course there really is no physical. Everything is spiritual, even what we call physical. I mean, we're just a bunch of atoms and protons and electrons and uh, no one to hell on this planet knows what an electron or any of that stuff is it's all magical 
higher dimension material. So in other words, they don't uh, they conceive do, by... No. They, souls are created by higher dimensions. They're not created by the physical levels that we are at. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we create the bodies down here through sexual activity. Souls are created not like a physical sexual activity that we have. Um, to explain it, we would have to go up a few dimensions. It's, it's just uh, pretty... I know it's difficult to grasp, but would it be safe to say that you would have to vibrate at a different frequency to be able to see them and to maybe get to a different dimension? Does that make sense? Yeah, well, you know, if uh, they want you to see them, all they have to do is appear and uh, touch you, and then you are in their dimension. Right. And, of course, that's very confusing, uh, especially not while you're there, but when you come out of that dimension and try to talk about it to a, in the three-dimensional area, to other people who are stuck in the three-dimensional world. And Lou, in the 20th century alone, we saw an explosion of technology. 100 years before, if you told anyone that you would be flying coast to coast in a matter of hours, you would have been considered crazy. Do you think our DNA was altered or upgraded in order for us to have accomplished so much looking at this from the human perspective in just a century? Well, it's it's Uh, our technology did not come from our DNA. We did not become super smart and start inventing stuff. Um, a lot of the a lot of the technology basically is is given to us physically through military means, uh, government means, and they then filter it through into our universities, into our uh, corporations, what have you. Um, some people come up with ideas and put them down on paper and start creating stuff. Well, you know, it'd be nice to think, yeah, I'm pretty dang smart. I just thought of how to make a better mousetrap here. But... Uh, When we when we crave something, when we when we diligently put energy into a certain area, and we show that we want to, or they want to use you as a vessel to bring forth something, they'll implant, they'll they'll take you in your dreams or physically, and they will show you what it is you need to do. And uh, when you wake up the next day, you forget about them, but you remember the idea. And it's your idea. Subconsciously. Uh-huh. Interesting. Look, we have to take our one and only break, but let me ask you a question, and I'll get the answer on the other side. And a lot of the people that you know, your friends, and people who listen to the show are very interested in knowing what's on the moon or in the moon on our side and on the far side. And judging by the fact that you have left this physical world of ours to visit other celestial objects, 
I presume that you on the way back may have, if not stopped, maybe peeked on what's up there in the moon. Am I right? Uh, possibly. Possibly. Well, let's keep that cliffhanger here for a moment. We're here with Lou Balden, author of In League with a UFO and A Day with an Extraterrestrial. And Lou, how do we get in touch? How does uh, our audience get in touch with your work? Uh, good question. Do you have a website? Do you have a forum? Uh, do you have well, a... I do have a website. It's uh, UFOLU. UFOLU.com? Dot com. Mm -hmm. And we'll have it linked on our website with your bio and a lot of the items that are being discussed on the show. Please stay with us. We'll be right back with Lou Bolden. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to The Veritas Show. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first segment of this very important Veritas interview. If you enjoyed it and wish to listen to the rest, go to veritasradio.com, click on Members, or subscribe. Or tell someone else who will enjoy this and all our radio programs. If you are listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store, where you can purchase pure organic sulfur, earthing and grounding products, supplements, our USB drive with all our shows, gift certificates, rebounders, fulvic acid, full-body vibration machines, and much more. Now, we'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and I'll see you in the Veritas member section. Enjoy.
This is Whitley Strieber, and you're listening to The Veritas Show.